0: So meningitis is basically the infection of the covering of the brain. So the brain is covered by a thin a thin layer, a thin paper like layer that covers the full cavity of the brain. So this This lining, when it becomes infected uh, with a bacteria called Neisseria meningitides, um, that is when we end up with the illness called meningitis.
1: Now, what causes meningitis? And also, take us through some of the symptoms.
0: Okay, so uh, meningitis can be caused by a bacteria or it can be caused by a virus. The more severe form of meningitis is when it is caused by a bacteria. Now, one of the more aggressive bacteria associated with meningitis that is quite lethal is Neisseria meningitides. And this bacteria is spread from one person to the next by coughing sneezing, uh, social activities like kissing, sharing the same eating utensils. When this bacteria gets into the body, it very quickly, rapidly it can enter into the skull cavity, in which case it can cause a meningitis, but a worst case scenario is that it can also enter into the bloodstream, in which case it can cause a septicemia. Now in terms of signs and symptoms, this is where the challenge lies. Often doctors rely on our clinical presentation. They rely on our symptoms in order to make a diagnosis. But in the case of meningitis, In the early stages of infection, the symptoms look more like the flu. And this is where the challenge lies, in that because this bacterial infection is fast progressing, we want to make a diagnosis as early as possible. But unfortunately, in the case of meningococcal meningitis the early symptoms look like the flu so very often patients are sent home with the wrong diagnosis and so time is lost it's only around 10-15 hours later when the patient starts to present with the more typical signs and symptoms of a meningitis, like a throbbing headache, a stiff neck, uh, you know, fear to look into light, a photophobia, it's only then that the healthcare provider will start thinking about meningitis. But at this stage, it's too late to treat.
1: Now, that's very dangerous and in the same breath, very scary. Um, do you know, how do we ensure that uh, it is included as an epidemic and it comes? and new strains as as you've already touched on how do we ensure that uh, the right diagnosis is done quite early and that uh, preventative measures uh, are are taken to stopping the spread or you know how do we work around the 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 downfalls
0: absolutely so unfortunately it's not there is no solution in terms of early diagnosis, um, you know, unless the physician does a thorough background check and history and is sensitized to this topic. Uh, then only is it likely he may get an early diagnosis, in which case he is more likely to save the patient's life. But other than that, there's very little you can do to ensure an early diagnosis because the symptoms are so ambiguous with other conditions. But the good news is that in South Africa, we're very privileged to have available to us a best in class vaccine. So we do have a meningococcal conjugate vaccine that is available in the private sector. Now this is the same vaccine that is used in many first world countries. So I would strongly encourage parents uh, to take their children through to the healthcare providers to get a script for the vaccine and to make sure that they administered the vaccine but not only for their kids, uh, even for themselves.
1: Now, let's speak about uh, the myths and misconceptions about meningitis. Like any other disease in the world, you know, there's there's always myths and mis- misconceptions.
0: Yes. So um, very often we feel um, that, you know, um, meningitis is something we can manage and we can handle, or, or that it only affects certain groups of individuals. Uh, this is something we need to uh, correct, uh, is that meningitis, once it happens, is incredibly difficult to manage. There's a strong chance that the individual will be left with a long-term disability, like paralysis, deafness, and so forth, even limb amputation, or very likely the individual may die uh, from the illness. So it's not something you ever want to have to manage in your practice as a healthcare provider, and it's certainly not something you would want to encounter yourself as a patient or have to live through in terms of witnessing a child uh, suffer from this infection. Um, secondly, the second main uh, myth around meningitis is the... Um, is the, the fact that often people think, you know, it's only certain groups of individuals who are uh, susceptible uh, to meningitis, for instance, young babies. Now, it is true that young babies are vulnerable to all infections because their immune systems are young and naive. So yes, young babies are at a higher risk of getting meningitis. However, the same is true for other kids as well who are entering into creche